Hello, everybody. Welcome to Seven Questions Between Seven Mountains. Today's Bergen-based guest is the lead singer of the electronic rock band Data Rock, Frederick Soroa. Data Rock, for those who don't know, is one of Norway's most internationally successful bands and has taken the world by storm with four successful studio albums under their belt. Data Rock has been featured in both the UAFA Euro and FIFA game franchises, as well as featuring on major commercials like Apple and Coca-Cola. Data Rock's widespread acclaim has taken my guests on a journey around the world, from Coachella and Leeds Festival to Bergen's very own Brandstadion, just five minutes from here. Sharing his story with me today, here's our show. Frederick Soroya, welcome to Seven Questions Between Seven Mountains. Thank you! The first, second episode in the history of mankind. That's crazy. I'm so happy to be here. I'm, uh, I live very close by. I live actually on the glacier you can see uh, in the background here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, there's a tiny, well, it's not the igloo. Main. It's an igloo. Yeah. yeah. So you can't really see it because it, no. it's like, it's like, yeah. yeah. Yes. How are you? I'm good. That's great. Me too. Besides the fact that we can't play festivals, we can't play concerts. Besides that fact, I'm okay. That's pretty good. That's why we're in this cabin. Yes. Chilling. Yes. yes. That's why you wanted me to come visit. And yeah. it was great. And you traveled far. Yes. You walked. I walked for like 15 minutes. Wow. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> far. That's, uh, well, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's a new record to coming up here. Yeah. yeah. So... Start with the first question. All right. You ready? Yes. All right. So I want to know, how did you start with your music business? How did you get into it? What was yeah, not not like when I was a child, but yes, the, from the from, from the very beginning. Oh Lord. What was it? Oh oh, this is this is embarrassing, but I'm gonna be an, uh, honest because uh, uh, you make me f feel uh, like an honest person because you look so trustworthy. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest now. All right. Thanks. Okay, this is, uh, this is really, really terrible. But uh, when I was a child, I saw the film uh, Annie, the musical Annie. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, know, I don't know what the hell happened, but I saw that film Annie and I thought, oh, it looks like a lot of fun with those children running around singing and dancing. And I thought, uh, music sounds, uh, that, sound, that, that looks like a little bit of fun. And then um, I, I joined a choir. A choir, that's what I did. It's really, it's absurd. But that's what I did, and it was a lot of fun, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but then my big brother started playing the cello. And then I obviously started playing the cello. And lucky for me, he started playing thrash metal. So I started playing thrash metal. Yeah. So I guess that's, uh, that's the absurd transition from Annie via a choir yeah. to thrash metal. So anyway, so, so when I was a child, it was... Um, <coughs> I guess I dressed exactly like this. This is really what everybody was looking. Well, this is how I looked when I was 11 or 12 years yeah. old. Thrash metal, skateboarding, uh, Metallica, Creators, Sepultura, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And, yeah. and at the time, Bergen was, uh, it was those early years where I guess uh, black metal appeared yeah. in, in Norway. But, uh, but the, um, after a couple of years, I discovered electronic music from England that combined guitar music with electronic mm. production. Yeah. And that was, um, I remember when I was a child, I grew up right outside of Bergen and uh, everybody was listening to like 
you know, Black Sabbath from the 70s or even, you know, Beatles and all sorts of stuff from sort of before my my days or how to put it then. And finding, you know, uh, Happy Mondays, Charlatans, Stone Roses and all of these bands that combined something brand new with some classic songwriting features. But that was like my the start of my like super passion yeah. for music because that was like my mine this is mine <laughs> and you, I, I you know when you're in high school or the, at the time I, I guess I was in sixth or seventh grade um, if someone in school starts liking a band that you like then it's like I, I don't like it anymore right right you, you, you know and and then but I was a super nerd so I had my own radio show and every week we'd like we'd feature new artists and new new music and I remember the smell of new cool albums. Oh, yes, the best smell. Yeah, the vinyl, uh, the vinyl packaging when you opened it and you looked at the print and everything. And the thing with the British scene from those days was like the graphic design was just super cool mm. and, and new. Mm. And, uh, and it, yeah, it felt like something that was kind of ours. We didn't, and it's the same thing with you know BMX riding. The generation before us didn't ride BMX bikes. The generation before us didn't uh, skateboard because it was illegal until 1989 in oh, Norway. Wow. So, so uh, anyways, and then so uh, the music that I ended up touring the world with mm. is the music directly inspired by the music that I heard when I was like 12. With with this combination of, I mean, data rock is rock made on a computer that's sort of the stupid name of our band <laughs> data meaning computing in yeah, Norwegian, yeah. and then rock obviously yeah so so uh, yeah so um it started with me sort of discovering it was called manchester rock at the time i, I didn't I, I cared much more about manchester rock than you know grunge and all of that right but then uh, i uh, ended up in music high school it was not like in glee but similar <laughs> <laughs> no, but in, in music high school, then you know you um, you had all the the, the normal su subjects, but we had eleven music subjects in addition to the normal subjects. So we had, I had my own guitar teacher, and we had again we had the choir, and we had ensemble, and we had you know um, writing scores and stuff. Uh, I wasn't particularly good at that, but the, but my guitar teacher he was super nice. He was he was a, he, he is a very famous Norwegian. Um, I don't know the English word, but the uh, pedagogue. What okay. is the English word? I don't know what the English word is. I don't even know. But he writes he writes me, uh, books about uh, music theory and blah 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 for kids and right. young people and and uh, and he's a he's a master teacher kind of and and he he was really funny because I said I, I'm not very good with the notes and I don't really care too much about it. I don't. I'm not like I, I have a very intuitive way of listening to music and writing music and. And uh, every class, he would teach me something that I, I would have to practice. So I would have to learn like jazz stuff, like Pat Metheny mm. songs and all of that. So my hands can do all sorts of weird things, because uh, thanks to him. But most of the time, he wanted me to play things that I I made the last week. Yeah. And that I think that was really like him taking my songwriting at a very early age so seriously. Yeah. That's the reason why I ended up uh, being a professional musician because. Because what I ended up writing, because I be, because he was so serious, even my piano teacher, which is uh, one of Norway's most famous uh, contemporary composers, he was the same. He just wanted to hear what I made since last week. Yeah. And and in fact, a lot of the songs that Dayrock released at a grown-up age is songs that I wrote 
in high school. Wow. So so uh, so anyways, and, and but what happened was, and this is a terrible thing to say too, I guess, but I was so happy with the things that I wrote yeah. in high school, and I thought like, but this is as good as it gets. I don't think I can make anything much better than this, and yeah. obviously nothing is happening because I'm a teenager, and what's going to happen? And Bergen felt very, very uh, isolated at the time, right? This was the mid-90s. So I, you know, nobody had an international career. I don't think... I knew anyone with a record contract or anything like that. You didn't no. have Bergen wasn't international like it is like it is today. Today right? and and speaking of Bergen, do you think it has uh, impacted you or like just Bergen? We talked about with Bjorn. We talked about like that. You know, it's raining a lot, so you have to mm. stay inside and be creative. Yeah. Do you think like Bergen have inspired you in some ways? Yeah, I think because um, well, Bergen, it's true. It it, it rains two hundred and thirty days a year or something, something like that. that. And if you and if you uh, if you nerd out, out uh, on something, you, you sort of tend to get to know the other people who are interested in the same. So I've known Bjorn since uh, since let me think two thousand and uh, I don't know two thousand and four something like that two thousand and three perhaps even before. Wow. And he was he was much younger than me, but the but he even uh, at a very early age he did like press shots for us and and the company he worked with did artwork for us yeah so i've known him since forever kind of because bergen is such a tiny little place so it, it rains all the time and it's a tiny little community so you get to know the others who are good at whatever right and uh it's it's a town where people are very collaborative so people yeah. help each other like even if you don't have money there's someone there who can help you so yeah. i think uh yeah uh, especially people with a little bit of uh, off creativity I think they thrived in Bergen, whereas in some towns, uh, uh, bigger cities, uh, who, I don't know, perhaps, like, okay, this is a terrible thing to say too, but if you, for instance, if you think about, you know, this is kind of makes sense, logically, the main city of a country is often a little bit less interesting than the second largest, and I think the reason why is because the second, uh, uh, the, 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 the capital of a city, of a country, they, they know how to capitalize on a domestic market yeah. and if you if you want to capitalize on a domestic market instead of thinking internationally then perhaps you're working within kind of a little bit of an outdated <laughs> creativity <laughs> it's a terrible thing to say yeah. but it, it makes a little bit of sense right yeah. so if you if you have whatever product that you want to sell to a large percentage of a population in one country then you have to make something a little bit boring perhaps perhaps mm, perhaps but if you if you don't have the luxury of sort of being able to make money domestically and you have to find weirdos around the world, then perhaps that allows you to be a little bit more weird creatively. Yeah. So anyway, so like traditionally, Bergen was the t was the, was the city where, well, both the tech industry and music and design and all sorts. This is where the weirdos sort of thrived. It is. All I, my I friends it, are weirdos. <laughs> yeah, no, but <laughs> and and some of them probably moved here because this was the place to go if that's what you did. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, I think I think uh, uh, everything we've done has a hundred percent happened because of Bergen, right? Yeah, it's crazy. No, but 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 uh, just to end off the the creativity thing. Yeah. Uh, in, in music high school, because because everything we did was practice, 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 and then music in high school, and you know, as a s school subject, I got sick of music. So I actually stopped doing music. After I was 18, I went to the university and I studied 
art history and oh. that sort of stuff for years and years. And then later on, <coughs> around the time that I got to know Bjorn, uh, we started Data Rock just for fun. Ah. And I, we didn't take it seriously at all. Like we, we, we made songs that we, we basically made it for like the few friends we had who would come to see us at a club in Bergen. It was just some fun stuff. Yeah. But then what had happened since I was a kid up until that time was that suddenly Bergen had become an international music city. Yeah. So you had Kings of Convenience from Bergen. They, you know, they not only did they work internationally, but they got great reviews. They started touring the world. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Rakes Up, you know, yeah. amazing attention, their videos, even the videos was made here, but ending up like with MTV awards and stuff. So, so when we started Datawalk, the world was our playground. Uh, yeah, so it was like, it was a long break, and then when we started up again, it was just for fun, not because we thought it was going to be a career, but we ended up doing a thousand shows in 36 countries. It's crazy. So. You know, I, th I, th I think um, you write the best songs when your intentions are not to yeah. uh, be, make something perfect, or make, make like, I'm going to make the best song, but yeah. if you just do something for fun, mm. usually those songs are the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you usually right. have like a, something that stops you from being creative when you're like overthinking it. Yeah, and I think there's a, uh, my theory sounds so logical, so I'm going to share it with <laughs> okay, you. Okay, thanks. No, but if you, if you, uh, if you sit down and you want to write something and, and the intellect starts working, I mean, unless you're a self-destructive, uh, insane person, you want to, perhaps you want to make a little bit of money. Perhaps you want a little bit of success, I don't know. And then <clears throat> if you try to work from a, some kind of formula, you know, chances that that formula is already outdated. Yeah. So say you want to do commercial pop music or whatever. Like if you if you take inspiration from a hit that's going on right now or last week, or you just crack the code of whatever happened three months ago, that's already gone. Like nobody wants to hear that shit again, yeah. perhaps, right? But in, uh, and in, in our case, sometimes, not that we, you know, willingly wanted to do this, but sometimes we tried to repeat ourselves. Mm. It's just what happens, kind of. Mm. Like you have three demos or whatever, and you, you, you know, you continue working on the one you think reminds a little bit of whatever song you had with yeah, a little bit of success. Yeah, that worked. Yeah. yeah, never works again. No. Never works again. Yeah. So, so every time anything like substantial happened to us, it was with some weird song that nobody thought had any commercial yeah. qualities. Yeah. So Fa for instance, Seriously, I made that song in five minutes. We recorded it in no time. And then I think we even, we never mixed it. We just kind of bounced it like it was on the mixing desk. All and right. then when we when we mixed the album, we're like, but that's fine. It's okay like that. We ne just need some lyrics. Yeah. So I wrote some lyrics and I, and I thought the part where I sang fa, 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 that goes, it's okay. We don't need lyrics for that. Yeah. So, so made like this, kept fa, fa, fa in there. And now we've been sort of living off that song since 2005. But it was a five-minute process to write. I want to know something. I, I, um, the first song, one of the first songs I ever learned or taught myself mm. on bass. Oh, really? Was, oh, really? You know? I just nice. love that. So it's, uh, yeah. So uh, I, I think uh, you, you guys were or are really fucking big. Uh, and uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about that because um, uh, you have a story about Apple, right? Yeah. What What is that about? Yeah, that's a weirdo. That's a weird story. <laughs> yeah. What is it about? No, it's uh, yeah. I mean, we okay. So 
Daydrug started off, and uh, right away we started doing shows outside of Bergen. And at the time, it was unusual to go out of town to do a show. Yeah. So we're like, what? They booked us to a festival in Oslo. What the hell? <laughs> and then Finland, and then uh, I think like the third country was like Switzerland for some oh, wow. reason. And then Iceland, and Denmark, and Sweden, and Germany, and blah, 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 and then around the world. And then eventually, I don't know how word came out, but this... Uh, but this uh, 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 record company from from uh, Canada called Network. I, have you heard about Network? No. No. I, I didn't know who they were. So this guy comes, you know, all dressed in uh, denim, and he came to to Bilam in Oslo, and he, and he wanted to meet with us because he apparently wanted to sign us. And we looked up uh, the, the, his company. And it was like a country label. We didn't know any of the artists. So he like came to this meeting and we felt kind of sorry for him because he obviously didn't know who he was meeting with. Oh yeah. Because we were just some weirdos, right? <laughs> so we took him to this really, you know, inexpensive place to have dinner and sort of felt sorry for him afterwards too. Like, why does he want to sign us? Yeah. And then uh, later on, we, we read that he was the one who uh, signed uh, Coldplay, Avril Lavigne. <laughs> And uh, Sarah McLaughlin. Okay. So, so he knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah, and what they, I, I think what they, they were in the forefront of technological development in the music industry. Yeah. So, so they really saw, you know, how to read tendencies on the net and la la la. So they, they saw that we had traction in, you know, 50 countries. So f for whatever reason, they picked it up first and they wanted to sign us because I think they thought that there was like, it's a new global development. We, mm. we were like very... Um, popular on MySpace, for instance. We're like featured artists on MySpace. 28 million people saw us oh, every wow. day for two weeks and stuff like that. Which we didn't really know how big of a deal that was, really, right? But anyway, so, so this Canadian label, Network, signed us. And at the time, the head owner, a guy called Terry McBride, he was, he was very influential in the sort of progressive music industry. So he was friends with the Apple owners, presumably, oh, yeah. right? So one day, uh, suddenly, our artwork or cover was on the front of uh, Apple's global presentation of the Nano chromatic series with a with a five colored version of the the iPod you remember yeah and uh, so my little hand illustration that I by the way uh, drew on a you know the paper that you you put food in yeah when you wrap food for school. oh yeah, 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 yeah so I drew that little piece of shit on on my kitchen table, and now it's on billboards around the planet. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So we ended up, and, and at the time, uh, that ad campaign around the planet was world history's most expensive uh, ad campaign, and we were part of it. Yay! So that, and that really, yeah, that really helped spread the word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would imagine. I would imagine. Yeah, because also for the presentation of the product, they, they say something like, uh, the menu is really beautiful, blah, blah, blah. You go in, find your favorite song, and they go straight to Daydrug's album, oh. find Fa Fa Fa, and that plays for 32 seconds as no. they present the product. Yeah. I Th mean... That's okay. That's, that's, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, so, so uh, I mean... The story about how we worked a career out of Bergen is, I mean, really translate to so many other mm, companies or you don't have to do music, whatever you do. It's, it's an interesting story because, because uh, we really worked along with a lot of stuff that we didn't re really necessarily understand. No. But, so we were yes people, right? Yeah. So we, we said yes to a lot of different 
projects like a film in Argentina went on to be like uh, the most loved cult movie in Argentina. Because why not, you know? Why and, not? And then we, we end up like in all of these weird situations. So for instance, once we had a meeting with some people, I, I didn't know who they were. They said, they said EA. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what EA is, right? So, so I had a meeting with them for like three hours. Okay. Uh, without knowing. Without knowing. Okay. And we were just talking about music. We're talking like this, yeah. right? Talking about all sorts of whatever. And they were like, you really don't know what he is. <laughs> gaming, yeah, gaming. Like, I grew up with gaming. I'm, I mean, we're, we're the generation who sort of grew up with gaming, but, but somehow I fell off. So I, I didn't know who he was. And I couldn't imagine how big it was. I didn't no. know it was a billion dollar industry, yeah. right? And they were like, and they, I think they completely fell in love with our sort of innocence that we sold ourselves so well to them without even knowing who they were. So we ended up having songs in uh, four FIFA games. Two Sims, Need for Speed, Madden NFL, and so on and so on and so on and so on. So um, something like 500 million people have heard Data Rock a hundred times in a game from EA, and that's just half of the games we're in part of. So, so for instance, one of the one of the ways we reached an international <coughs> audience was through these kind of new channels, with games synchronization to TV series and films, and obviously touring as much as we could. So we we were and that. Uh, when we were young, it was so expensive traveling that, I mean, most people didn't really travel too far, kind of. Yeah. But around 2005, 2006, traveling became more affordable. So we actually went, on average, we played 28 countries every year on five continents. Uh, we would do uh, 250 days of traveling every year and uh, something like up to like 150 shows a year. And we ended up playing shows in 36 countries. So, <laughs> so, just so it just wild. you know if you can if you have the opportunity to roll with it when yeah. you can just fucking roll. Can I say that? I swore. I mean, I don't think I'm this, so is, uh, sorry. this is Facebook. You can say fucking. I think. Can I? I think. Can you say the f word? I'm not gonna do it again. Know. It was a mistake. Can we? No, but yeah. So that's and uh, and also in, in Bergen, I think people are like your family and friends and everything, are really sort of rooting for you. So yeah. If you, yeah. And and try help in any way people can. And mm. So yeah, so it's a very it's a very good place to be ambitious in. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. Regarding the the fa 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 song, mm. you told me something um, that it was 15 years ago. Yes. You guys released it. Yes, it's the 15 year anniversary. Cause like, it's just uh, I just you know. I just what? found this behind there. It's what do you got there? It's, what I, is I, that? It's, it's, I just found what this behind that? there. It's a cool album. Uh, from this uh, band, uh, my favorite band called Data Rock. Oh, what a beautiful thing! What is that thing? Well, it's it's obviously an LP. Oh, it's but cool. it's never been on vinyl before. Never. When? How can I get it? Well, I'll tell you how you can get it. The twenty sixth of September. This will drop at Record Store Day drops internationally in a store in close proximity to where you are right now. So go grab it, the 26th of September. This is the first copy I've ever seen, and it's beautiful. Beautiful! <laughs> it's really awesome. Oh, you guys are actually, because yeah, you're looking you're looking this way, and if you turn around, you're looking yeah. that yeah. way. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So this was the album. It was, this was the picture on Apple? Yes, yeah. And it was really funny, because internationally, this was uh, the artwork on the gold-colored or orange-colored uh, yeah. version of the uh, of the iPad. But iPod. But but in Europe, we re-released it the same year with the blue cover. So in Europe, we had the blue cover, 
And in, internationally, I remember Kanye West had the blue version. Yeah. So I wonder what happened to Kanye West in Europe? Because we had the blue one here. So perhaps we won <laughs> over Kanye West. Think about it. I think I think I think you did. Yeah. To I did. Be a, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I when I look at bands and when I like my favorite thing is concerts mm. and you are by far one of the best live bands I've ever seen. And I mean it. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And I just want to know, like, is there any performance that stands out? Is there what is your favorite gig? Uh, I mean, uh, many for different reasons. All right. Like but top three. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we didn't know that things was happening in Australia. So the even the first time we went to Australia, <clears throat> we were like super famous there. Oh, yeah. In a like not just among nerds, but like it was household. So, for instance, the customs, they stopped us. And they, uh, and they saw that uh, we, had, we were obviously a band. So they said, so where are you from? And we said, Norway. And well, they said, are you a band, obviously? Where are you from, Norway? And the third question was, are you data rock? <laughs> and then they started singing, fa, fa, fa. Like oh, the in really? customs. And they didn't even check the, 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 the luggage. You sent it through, and then good luck. And <laughs> so, so, so coming to Australia was really bizarre. Yeah. Because, because uh, for instance, we were doing this uh, national uh, tour, uh, stadium tour. Mm basically playing right before James Brown. And and, in a, and we thought we were going to play like a little tent in a corner, but we played the, the main stage. You did the main stage. A, we did the main stage at this. <laughs> <laughs> and this was like uh, when we were like playing small clubs here. So it was your first main stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, th and th that was stadium show. So, so in, in Sydney, I think it was 25,000 people. Right, and and and, uh, and we w we were used to playing like Hüvel in Bergen for like two hundred people. Right. So, <laughs> but anyways, so when we came to Australia, there's a festival in Australia called Meredith Music Festival, uh, and uh, we were playing I think like eleven or almost midnight, and it was in the, it was in the forest, and uh, the the audience was standing in kind of like a atrium, like a like a slope, oh, yeah. like a like a hill. So. So the audience wasn't like that, which they usually are in a festival. They were like on a hill, right? So you could see everybody. And it was something like, I think I remember it was 13,000 people. You can find it on YouTube. There are some clips. And, and coming out on stage at that festival, Meredith Music Festival, was just, I mean, that was amazing. And, and, and you know, because you know the, the sound of an audience in a jam-packed little club is really loud, yeah. right? When, the, when they clap after a song, it's really loud volume. But if you play an outdoor stage for even like tens of thousands of people, the sound just disappears. Like you don't you don't hear a response from the audience. No. I guess the sound just disappears up in the air. Yeah. But when they're standing towards you like that, it's so intense. Oh, yeah. And just the, the volume of, of the audience was just, I mean, that was memorable. That was amazing. Oh, wow. And also Coachella Festival. We played a stage that I think, I think it took like 4,000 or so, but almost 8,000 came. So, so Co the Coachella show, was just cr absolutely crazy. And, and, and that was really the start of our success in America because I think people were in shock. Yeah. Because like the main act uh, at the time was the Verve. And Verve ha had been away for like, I don't know, years and years. And it was their reunion concert. So we thought everybody was going to leave during our show. But we had like twice the capacity of the stage, um, um, of the room. And everybody was just going mental. So the next day we had like sponsorship deals with Gibson and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> After that gig. <laughs> yeah. 
so so Mer that was crazy but i have to say of do you, only three uh three stand up is that it whatever you feel can we do four can do, we do four. four let's do four okay let's do four no but when, ever since we were kids, me and the other guy on the cover, Shetl Mosnes, ever since we were kids, we started going to Roskilde Festival in Denmark. Hmm. So, so Roskilde Festival was, ever since we basically started taking data work serious, that was the ambition, going to, to, to Roskilde, right? So in 2005, the year we released the first album, we got to play Roskilde, but we played the camping stage on the Wednesday. So it was a fun, it was fun, and we could tell everybody, yeah, we played Roskilde Festival, yeah. but we didn't really play Roskilde. It's a, when, it's a Wednesday. Daytime, you know, it's the camping guys. I mean, it's fun, but it's not the real thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So anyways, 2009 or seven, I don't remember. We came back and and we played one of the, we played the second largest stage and something like 12,000 people came. And, and that's different, right? Because you can picture yourself. I was there when I was 16 and 17 and 18 and I'm, I'm those guys, I'm yes. the audience, right? Watching but, is like fuck one day. Yeah, yeah, but, and, and really like, we, we've been there so many times that we really we understood we, what they were. Uh, anyways, do you understand yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was like that was like playing Roskilde was crazy. Same same thing. That the number four is um, uh, well, two thousand and nine, we played Oya Festival for the, probably the fifth time or something like that. I don't know, but the but we played uh, the main stage. I don't remember the name. It's called Anga. I don't know. Anga. Yeah. The biggest yeah. stage, anyways. At the at Oya Festival, and <clears throat> and that was like homecoming. The, the feeling was like, oh shit, because we'd, we'd been touring the world, and we didn't really know how things was approached in Norway. I didn't, I didn't quite know, because I was, we, we were touring all the time. Yeah. And then we came to Oya Festival, great festival, and then it's just jam-packed, as far as the eye can see, right? And people are singing along, and so, and that was like, yeah, that was uh, emotional. It was, it was an emotional moment. Right, got to be honest. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I could imagine it's like your life work and all your dreams is is towards yeah. this moment where you can stand there and, and like look out and it's like oh holy shit I made it. Yeah, because so many things that you do far away places like you don't, you do, you do, you don't know. Perhaps it's always like this. Like if you're in Japan or whatever, even if you play three in the afternoon. Hmm. You know, thousands of people show up and they're very polite and they're clapping their hands. I don't even know. Is that the to everybody? Is it special for us? I don't know. <laughs> but but you know how the audience at home acts. Yeah. And if you get that kind of feedback, you know that they're having a good time and it's really acceptance at a level yeah. that really goes straight to the heart, kind right. of. Right. So uh, yeah, that's my highlights. Mm. You said that you um, travel a lot. Yeah. Right. So I'd imagine that. What's the What's the craziest thing that has happened? The weirdest shit that has happened on tour uh, that you're allowed to speak up. You can tell, <laughs> you can tell the dirty details to me afterwards. Yeah. Uh, well, I think seriously, being stopped by customs and then having them sing fa fa fa. That's that's, that's pretty that's crazy. A pretty, that's pretty absurd. Right? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean it, we're very boring people. Like we don't do too crazy. Too much crazy stuff. No. But but once when we played Roskilde Festival, me and Chetil were perhaps not entirely sober. No. And uh, and backstage at the Orange stage, like the entire Norwegian press corps was there, and and uh, we were all having fun. And I, I remember someone tried to lit on fire EMI's stand. <laughs> I don't know why, but anyway, so it was that kind of atmosphere. Okay. And me and Chetil, we decided that we were going to stage dive a table. 
So there was a plastic table there, and we're like, let's fucking stage dive that table, yeah! And then, <laughs> by some reason, what a dumb idea, right? And we're like, yeah, come on! And ran over and just stage dived on the plastic table, which obviously cracked, yeah. and we fell, and he knocked his teeth out. No! And, uh, and because we were not entirely sober, we started laughing, and, and the Norwegian like press people, they were like, who are these people? They're yeah. in they're insane. <laughs> and that was like the one time we did anything insane. But after that, we were like, oh, did we go crazy? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I imagine like if you're like, yeah, we're we're not, we're the good guys, and but the one time yeah. you want and everybody saw they're it. like that. Yeah, 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 everybody saw it. Yeah. So they, uh, uh, an arcade, the Norwegian broadcast uh, company, they actually made us redo that thing behind the main stage at. Oh yeah, festival. <laughs> no, <laughs> for some reason I don't know why. Really? But uh, yeah, no. But the crazy things that has happened. I met some really, really famous people without recognizing them. That's kind of funny. Oh, that's funny. Like stuff like that happens. Radio people, like who knows who, what they looks like? I don't know what they. Yeah, you just know like. their voice. Yeah, and very often I really don't know who people are. Like. Yeah, yeah. And I think they they kind of appreciate it because maybe yeah. Because really, then, really then it first like. Uh, uh, treat them as a normal person. Yeah, uh, perhaps not always a good thing. Like once we were at a party in LA and Lindsay Lohan came okay. in and I didn't know who the hell she was. She just looked like a pretty fucked up and drunk person yeah. and did not look like a famous person at all. all right. And then uh, she came to the kitchen and was like, is there any to drink here? And we're like, no, not really. It's vodka, nothing else. There's some vodka left. She's like, yeah, sure. And our sound guy poured her a big glass of vodka <laughs> and the next day we read uh, in the paper that she had escaped some rehab facility and she had crashed her Mercedes. Oh no. So, uh, <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> perhaps you should know people. <laughs> you should. <laughs> At least with Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, she's like, can I get some alcohol? You're no. Yeah, no, 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 not you. No. Yeah. Not you. Get some water. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, because I, I have uh, Bjorn Maris at one um, where he... Um, <laughs> he was doing this thing for uh, this shoot for Top Model, and yeah. uh, uh, he was gonna shoot uh, Heidi Klum. Oh shit! Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he uh, obviously knew who she was, yeah. and and uh, and uh, he he knew why he was there. Yeah. But uh, when she came, uh, she was like, "So where am I supposed to go?" Yeah. And uh, and he was like, uh, like sort of super busy. So she was like, he was like. Um, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, could you just go and get me some coffee? Or <laughs> and she was like, "Yeah, sure." Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. She sure. went to get yeah, the coffee, yeah, and then she yeah, got sure. dressed, and then she got yeah. on the camera. And he's like, "Oh, you're." <laughs> and that he's, been, he's been talking about that for ages. He's so yeah. still so embarrassed. Yeah. The photos turn out great, though. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Yeah. No, but uh, she's like the, the the famous quote where she supposedly said, uh, "A woman cannot be too thin or too rich." Have you heard that? No. That's a terrible quote. But then again, she was just quoting uh, Karl Lagerfeld. So it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> she must be a, she is probably a lovely lady. <laughs> well, who knows? No, but the, yeah, that, the whole thing with fame and all of that, I guess. Like, for instance, you know, in, in a backstage area of a festival, everybody's just walking around. And, and sometimes, you, you, you know, you take a leak and next to you is some super famous person yeah. shaving. Oh, yeah. Bare-chested shaving, right? So, so behind the stages, everything is like, you know. Everybody's normal people. Nice. So. nice. Yeah. Be with your own kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's been really funny though. Like, yeah. uh, like I remember once I saw, uh, you know, the the head of um, of Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, what's his oh, name? Yeah. Josh Homme. Yeah. Josh Homme. 
and he was talking to Mixmaster Mike from Beastie Boys, and he was just such a giant, and Mixmaster Mike was such a tiny guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, on photos, of, obviously, and also what they did is like equally cool. So, but then you see that like, <laughs> sometimes it's a bit funny. Yeah. And once I remember, like one of my favorite current artists is actually Beyonce's sister. I think she's amazing. Oh, I don't think I've heard her. No. Uh, yeah, she's she's had a solo career for okay. a long, long time. Uh, uh, oh fuck, I can't remember her name <laughs> right now. So, so, what's her name? Hey, Google it. <laughs> Google it. Uh, oh, it's Solange. Solange. And uh, I think she's amazing. I, think, I, I saw her at a festival in Denmark last year called Heartland. She's amazing. Solange, yeah. check her out. And same thing with her. Like She was on this tour we did in Australia, all over the country. So we went like eight places with her in the group of people traveling. Yeah. I didn't even know who she was. So um, and she was a sister of Beyonce and a wow. great artist. So yeah. At the time, she was just dating the singer of, uh, of uh, Grizzly Bear. I didn't know who she was. So. Anyway, so yeah, That's famous people. I don't think famous people mind not being recognized. No, the most famous people I've met is just down to earth, chill people. But but the ones right below are often assholes. Right? It's really interesting. Like you, you, you have the people who are trying to get somewhere, and nice people, and then the people on top, very nice people. But everything in between, because they're like they're not. You yeah. Know, you yeah. They don't know what they are yet. No, exactly. Right. It can be terrible. Oh. Like, uh, and you can you can sense that those people are like, craving something, feeling above something else. I don't know. Yeah. But the ones on top are always super nice. Nice. Yeah. You do a lot of things, and uh, you've also uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Start a pizza shop. Yeah. Well, first I started something else. Oh, what what was that? Uh, it was a seafood restaurant. And uh, within six months, uh, we became Norway's second most internationally talked about restaurant in history. That's crazy. We got like two full pages in New York Times, Michelin recommendation, uh, the world's biggest uh, uh, travel magazine called Condé Nast Traveler had us on the forecast for 2014 as one of the 14 essential travel destinations of next year. Essential. Uh, and our restaurant was right next to the city, Mexico City. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but but after touring, as I said, like really, it was you know it was two hundred and fifty day, days a year mm. for many many years. So, anyways, and uh, and then I got kids and yeah, and I like it here in Bergen. So I I, I wouldn't mind spending more time here, right? And then yeah. so we opened this place, which was like a combination of a restaurant, bar, nightclub, and uh, and yeah, it took it took off. Awesome. Took over my life, to be honest. It was really yeah, yeah, because uh, I didn't know what I did when I yeah. took this initiative. Yeah, but after uh, something like a year, uh, I I saw that we had forty five employees, and that's when I sort of got stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of people. Yeah, and the economy around uh, 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 the kind of restaurants that we that we uh, run is that you know every supplier. Like yeah. personally, you know their, you know their sister, you know their mother. You've been, you know, we've been to their places. We care a lot about everybody, right? So, you know, if you if you do something less personal, I guess you don't necessarily stress out like we did. But we, you really feel the responsibility for every single person yeah. involved, and and obviously everybody working there, and yeah. So that was pretty crazy. And then the pressure of uh, it was. Casual fine dining, but the pressure of fine dining is mm. kind of 
different yeah. to say you find something that works, like for instance, a pizza formula kind of. So, so every day is very, very, very tough. So we decided to, to add on a little pizza joint. Yeah. And we thought that was def right up the street from here actually. Yeah. And we thought that was something from kind of me and you, like a place where we have a, a beer and a pizza. But then after a few months, it was, uh, it got six out of six from the biggest paper in Norway. And they said it was the coolest pla place for eating in Norway. Nice. So that became a success too. So yeah. Everything so you touch, man. Yeah, the Midas finger. I'm going to touch you. Hey, please. I'm going to touch you. I'm good. I'm good. not that way. No, 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 no. no, no. Just, just oh, there you go. Oh, shit. I can oh, feel it. And the, and the watch now is gold. Oh, Look shit. At that. Yeah, it's it gold. is. It's pure gold. It's uh, white gold. <laughs> That's crazy. No, but I think that what, what we did with the, with the restaurant and, and, the, um, and the pizza joint is kind of the same mm. formula as with the band, right? Like, this is a city where people really uh, uh, enjoy helping each other and create something yeah right and and so many people were involved in both the restaurant and and the pizza joint which is also a restaurant mm. um that you know we could really build on the uh the way we i guess we worked data rock yeah very very similar so i think that's one of the great things about bergen is uh just because it's so small uh and you know not too much is happening so if mm. something fun is going on people want to help out some 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 yeah. way so yeah so um it's uh, that's the trick, and I meet so many people who who uh, spend a couple of years in major in international cities, and they come back and they say they, they, they get to do more here. Yeah, just the the logical part is you get to know people. Here. It's easy to get to know people, and and you get to know people from various sides of whatever, right? Yeah. In Bergen, I I knew one of the best chefs, so we could start some restaurants, right? But but if I say I lived in Los Angeles, who knows? Perhaps I didn't know any chefs, you know. So anyway, so Bert gets around him. It's really Bergen is really like uh, I know guy. Yeah, it's a, that kind of place. Yeah, and also it's a city where, where people. I think people are craving the next. Yeah, you, and nobody goes around and like super satisfied about what was last year. Yeah, yeah people yeah. want to do something new, hmm. and yeah. You think you have uh, any more like remaining goals? Something that you feel like you want to do, or are you like satisfied with? I have this new thing that I'm. That is a bug. I can't get it out of my head. And it's okay. the. I, 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 this sounds absurd. It's, it's it sounds completely absurd. But the, the, the city in the world where I felt a close resemblance to Bergen the most yeah. is Los Angeles. I know it sounds absurd. What? I, I know, I know. But the thing is, if you do uh, music and I guess all sorts of different things, you kind of end up in a part of Los Angeles, right? And we ended up. We were always in the same streets and joints and hanging out with the same people in West Hollywood. And West Hollywood is just a little part of Los Angeles, right? So we get to know so many people so quickly and people are very collaborative. People are super nice and people want to get to know you and they want to share their network and all of that. And I have this little thing that I really want to take some of our aesthetics and our tastes and our vibe. One day, I wish we could do something in Los Angeles. Like oh, wow. Create a place, and uh, they, uh, yeah. So I'm talking to someone who's really interested in, in the same. So that's my new goal. I want to do something. In that's pretty abroad. cool. It's like it's like uh, what is it? West, West Hollywood. West Hollywood. So that's like if let's say L.A. is Norway, mm. then West Hollywood is Bergen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it's it. not like like I'm, I I spend so much time there, and it's it's not it's not the cliches that you see on TV. Like no. 
No, because uh, like in Bergen, like people move from all across, especially the US to Los Angeles because they want to be involved in in creativity, right? And so, so a lot of people are moved there, and they they're really keen on getting to know new people. And I'll give you an example, like the first person we got to know was Steve Aoki, right? And he, uh, so we're hanging out at his place, and we get to know all his friends. We DJ with him, blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. Very similar to if someone came to Bergen, they would perhaps bump into Mikal Talla or someone someone like that, and yeah. he would actually introduce you to his friends, right? And 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 that's kind of uh, unusual to be that open and that welcoming and that collaborative and uh, well i don't know it's probably not special but i've been to i don't know a thousand cities and that's yeah. the, that's the city that i really like really felt a little bit yeah that's kind of i don't know but i don't know why huh. it's, it's hard to tell but, but but one of the things in bergen and that's with data rock and with you guys we work internationally so your neighbor isn't your competitor no your neighbor is someone you can help and who wants to help you and together you get to become better because you're not competing necessarily uh, for the same audience, right? So so the guys we meet in Los Angeles, they're not like, oh, I don't want to let him uh, get my network because then he can take my customers. That's not how it is because no. their network actually works globally, right? So, so you see, for instance, a lot of Norwegian musicians and producers and uh, facilitators, they move to Los Angeles because that's the place where you can actually get stuff done. I know it sounds so absurd, but it's like, it's true. It's <laughs> I know wow. it's absurd, but it's true. So, uh, and also, um, I really like it there. So, it would be fun to take a little piece of Bergen and put Spread it there. Spread it to the world. Yeah, and you know, there, there, for instance, you know a guy called Stefan Jansson from Bergen. He he opened restaurants in Tokyo, and and that works. Yeah. You know, um, Danish people started restaurants in uh, New York City. It works. So it would be fun to do something. Mm. Take a little bit of our vibe and just put it in California. I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Are you going to come? Of course I'm going to come. Nice. 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 I was going to try your pizza. I'm gonna oh. I haven't oh, done it oh, yet. Oh. I'm going to. You haven't? I haven't. You haven't? I haven't. Oh, there we what's are. What's wrong with you people? It's the best pizza. So oh. we should definitely go and yeah. eat there. Yeah, it's uh, I love pizza. It's the best food ever. So I have no idea why I haven't gone. So I'm going to go. First thing. Hogorm pizza is for you. By the way, the logo is made by a guy in, in San Francisco. So it's a little bit of California in there. A little bit of California. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for... Uh, Was that all the seven questions? I really don't know. Yeah, Oh wow. is. I just wow. implemented it to our conversation. Oh, wow. Very well done. Wizard. Well done. Thank you so much for joining us. Ah, joking. No! Corona season. We got to do that. We're, not, we're just going to make out afterwards, but yeah. you can't see it. You can't see it. That's going to be edited out. Or is it not? No, it's not. What? Why should you? I don't know. No. Thank you so All much right. for joining us. Thank you for watching Seven Questions Between Seven Mountains. And make sure you check out the next episode and watch this on every platform there is. Take care. Bye-bye then. Let's go have a gin. Yes! Let's do it! Later!